am always blessed, you know, when I come here and, the, and our, our worship team, they lead us in music. Don't they do a great job? I mean, they are just absolutely amazing. Yeah, and so I, I am awfully, awfully thankful for them. And so they always, I am always, you know, spirit, in my spirit, I am always prepared uh, because, of, because of them. So I, I sure do appreciate that. Uh, today we are, we are continuing our series, C4. And we'll talk about that a little bit more as we go along. And so if you have your Bible and uh, you are interested in where we're going to be today and where our focus is going to be, it's going to be in Proverbs chapter 22, and we're going to look in verse number 6. So just one verse today, and uh, as some of you might be familiar with this passage of Scripture, so you'll, you'll kind of know where we are headed during this message today. But I, I like the story, there's a, there's a little boy, and he was out, outside with his dad, and they were raking the leaves. It was in the fall, and as they were raking the leaves, a bunch of geese flew overhead, and the dad grabbed his son and said, look up there, isn't that neat? So look at the geese flying over. He said, they, they formed the letter V. And, and so the boy looked up and he said, well, don't they know any other letters? And uh, you know, I like the story because, you know, sometimes I think we, we think everybody knows stuff, the same stuff that we do, uh, just because it's just sort of natural. But the fact is that you, the stuff that you know, there's a reason why you know it. And the reason why you know stuff is because there is somebody who who taught you the stuff that you know. And so that's where our focus is going to be on today, where it's going to be today. It's going to be on teaching others. And, and it, is, it is, gosh, it is a primary function of a, of a parent. It is a primary function of the church. It is a primary function of an adult to teach. Because if we don't teach, then we're going to see a future generation that's going to be in trouble. Now, C4, it stands for several different words, and we're going to mention those in a minute, but the, the theme is, as a church, what we want to do is we want to engage culture. And the reason why is because we believe that we have been commissioned by God to teach some things. Now, whenever I look at our culture today, there are some things that are very disheartening to me. There are some things that I see, and I, and I think, man... Where, where did we learn this? Why do we buy into this stuff? And I can give you, I, I can give you a ton of examples, but let me just share with you one example. Uh, in the, you know, a few weeks ago, uh, Colin Kaepernick made national news, and he pretty much does every week, because during the national anthem, he kneels down. And he takes a knee during the national anthem. Now, let me just say this. I don't care right now where you stand on either side of this issue. I don't care if you're for it or if you're against it. Here's what I think is strange to me. He is praised for doing that, and yet a couple of years ago, we would see Tim Tebow take a knee after he would score a touchdown in order to pray. And he was blasted. And I'm sitting there looking at these two different things. I'm, I really don't understand this. The hypocrisy of it all is really strange to me. And, and, and so I, I look at those things, and I think, you know, in our culture, there is something that's not right. There are some things and some important lessons that are not being taught. And I believe that as a church, that we have a calling, that we have a mission, that we are to engage culture, because a part of our engagement is to teach. It is to teach the things of God. And, and so when we talk about C4, we are talking about ways that our church is going to engage culture. And we're going to engage culture in our, on our campuses and in our community. And we're going to do it in our care ministries and, and in the civic process. Now today our focus is going to be 
on campuses. And we talked about students last week. We're going to talk about young people again this week. But I believe one of the greatest ways that this church can engage our culture is by engaging young people and by teaching young people the things of God. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to look in our passage of Scripture and we're going to see the writer of Proverbs sharing with us some important steps for us to take to help us educate and to help us train young people. And so that's why we're looking in Proverbs 22.6. Now, what is interesting about Proverbs is that this was the, the main way that the Jewish people would teach. They, they would use Proverbs, which are short, little, catchy sayings that are easy to remember. And so they would teach using Proverbs in order to pass along their beliefs to their children. Now, if you go through the book of Proverbs, it does a whole lot of teaching. It does teaching on just about every subject that you can think of. It talks about money matters. The book of Proverbs talks about businesses. It talks about relationships, marriages. It talks about how to use your speech. And it also talks about how we are to teach our children. And so our focus today is going to be on helping young people grow up, helping young people take the training wheels of life off so that they can learn how to ride solo. And so the, the, the question is, well, what are some steps that, that we can take in order to engage young people? What, what steps can Village Church take to engage young people? And here's the very first step. If we're going to engage young people, if we're going to educate them, it begins with this. We are to teach them. That's what the Bible says. We are called to teach. Look in verse 6. It says, teach a youth about the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Are you all familiar with that passage of Scripture? Okay, the very first word there, it says we are called to teach. We are called to teach young people. Now, other versions of the Bible say that we are to train up a child in the way that he should go. Now, obviously, this right here implies to us that we are called to teach young people. Now, that is actually an idea that for many people, that is, that is sort of contrary to what the world tells us. So much of the what the world tells us, and I've actually heard parents tell me this before, is I'm just going to allow my child to make his own decisions. I'm going to allow him to make his own decisions about, about what, he, what he thinks about the church or what he thinks about matters of faith. I'm going to allow him to experience some things on his own. Now, believe me, I am all for personal responsibility. I think all of those things are great. Because let me tell you something. When you have a young person... We are called to teach them. That's just real plain and simple. You don't just have a kid and say, hey, good luck. I hope you turn out okay. I mean, you, you teach that child some things. Because here's, here's the deal. If you don't teach your child, you know what's going to happen? Somebody else is going to do it. I promise you that. Somebody else is going to influence your child. And I, my, here's my fear. My fear is that, that Twitter... Uh, that, that television, that the gaming industry, that the sports industry do a whole lot more teaching than we do and have more, a whole lot more influence on the lives of our young people than we do. So, so where is teaching to take place? You know where it begins? It begins with us. It begins in the home. The Bible tells us this, Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 7. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these commandments I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them upon your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Now that sounds good, but you might say, well, how does Village Church do that? You know, how do we impress the things of God upon children? I'm going to share with you just a couple of simple ways that we do it. Uh, did you, during every service that we have, we have 60, about 60, I think this is right, Amy, 60 volunteers in our children's ministry that are over right now, and in the next service, and over at Westwood High School as well, that are going to be teaching 200 children every week about the things of God. That's what they're doing. They are talking to our children right now, as we're sitting here right now, they are talking to them about Jesus right after they spank every one of them. I'm just kidding. Yeah, but they're telling about Jesus right now. Um, on, on Sunday nights, we have a youth, our youth group comes up here on Sunday nights for their V groups, for their small group ministries. And then they come back again on Wednesday nights where Matthew, our student pastor, will teach them from the Bible. It's about 120 to 150 kids that come up here every Wednesday night. Now, I know that there's a whole lot more details involved in it than that, but that's just a, an example. Deuteronomy 6-7 says we are to impress upon our children the things of God. That, that word impress, it means to pierce through. Uh, in other words, they are to be so, our children are to be so taught about the things of God that it is second nature for them to respond in life in a godly manner. So the question is, well, well then how can I do that? You know, one, one of the greatest things that we can do in order to impress upon our children the things of God is to model it for them. You know, if we're going to sit here and talk about, you know, if we're going to talk about how, how important prayer is, you know, what, you know what needs to happen in the homes? Our children need to see us praying. If we're going to talk about how important God's Word is, our children need to see us reading our Bibles. If we're going to talk about how important the church is, parents, it is important that you bring your children into the church. You know, it, it's great to have knowledge about something, but what really gets the attention of young people is when they see what you practice. Kids, young people are smarter than we give them credit for. They know what we find to be important. And it's not just our words. When they see the way that we act, they go, okay, now that's really important to them because that is what they are doing. Let me give you an example. Uh, there is a, a diamond merchant named Harry Winston. I don't know if you all have heard of him before. He was in New York. And he had a client who, uh, who lived in the Netherlands, wanted to buy a particular kind of diamond for his collection. And so Harry Winston called him and said, I think I got the diamond for you. I'd like for you to come to New York and look at it. So the guy caught a, caught a plane from the Netherlands, came over to New York, looked at the diamond. Harry Winston had a salesman show him the diamond. Salesman talked to him about you know, all the stuff about, the technical stuff about diamonds. I don't know anything about diamonds. And so he, he's like, you know, there, there's, it has a uh, you know, certain kind of clarity and all these points or carrots, all this stuff. Well, all this technical stuff, and the guy looked at him and goes, this beautiful diamond. He said, but I, I just don't think that diamond is, is for me. Well, Harry Winston had been watching the whole process, and so he walked over to the man. He said, before you leave, can I just share something else with you about this diamond? And so he was, well, sure. And so he began to talk to him about the diamond. He began to talk about how beautiful it was. He talked about how it sparkled. All these different things. The guy ended up buying the diamond. 
And as, as they were wrapping up the diamond, he talked to Winston. He said, I, I got a question for you. He said, how come it was so easy for me to tell your salesman no? And then you came and talked to me about the diamond, and I ended up buying it. And Winston said, he goes, it's really simple. He goes, that guy is, is the most knowledgeable man about diamonds that I know. He knows more about diamonds than I do. He said, but there's one, he said, I would pay him twice as much for this missing ingredient in his life that I have that he doesn't. He said, he knows diamonds. He said, but I love them. And as I thought about that, I thought that, that is exactly the same thing that is true concerning the teaching of young people. They are going to be at, more apt to follow our lead when they see what it is that we love, not what we know. Now, knowledge is a good thing, but it's important that you love. And so here's my question for you and for me. What is it in your life that you love? What, what is it in your life that you will sacrifice for, that you will give for? Because that is what young people are going to hone in on in your life. And so if we're going to engage young people, and we're going to educate them, it begins with this. And Bill Church, this is us. It begins with us teaching them. But, but another step we are to take to engage young people is this. We are to guide them. So you teach a young person, and then you also guide a young person. Verse number 6 again, it says, Teach a youth about the way he should go. And even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, our text says that we are to teach a youth about the way he should go. In other words, we are to guide a young person down the path that they are supposed to travel on. Now, for those of you who are parents or those of you who've dealt with young people, that is not always the easiest thing to do. Uh, as parents, it's not always easy to guide a young person down the right path. And, and here's why. Because we want our kids to like us. You know, I want my kids to think that I'm cool. And, and just as a side note, it doesn't matter what you do, you are not cool, okay? So that's just, they're, just not, they're not going to think that. But I, I want to be liked by my children. And so sometimes there's, there's the right way to go, but I, I don't want to do anything that will offend them. You know, I want, I want to be in on the good graces with them. But, but giving good direction also is not, and giving guidance is not always well received. You know, whenever you guide your children, they don't always want to hear it. Now, now, why is that? Real simple. Because your children are like you. They're just like you. They, they want the same stuff that you do. They want the same stuff that I do. They, they want to do the stuff that's easy. You know, they want to do the stuff that is fun. They want to do the stuff that is not convenient. I'm the same way. It is not in my nature to be good. It is not in my nature to eat right. It is not in my nature to get up and to work. It is in my nature to, to wake up at 10 o'clock, lay on a couch all day, and watch television. I mean, that, now that's fun. But the older I get, here's what I'm learning. The older I get, I am learning that the things that I want are not always the best things. And Proverbs says this. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. That's why the Bible says that we are to teach our children in the way they should go. It does not say in the way they want to go. It says you are to guide a child in the way he should go. So what way should a child go? He should go God's way. Now, now where do we get instructions for God's way? Not hard. 
Bible. This is why we look into this book every week. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 tells us about the importance of Scripture. Here's what it says. All Scripture is inspired by God. And it's profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. There's a lot of words in that verse. But, but look what it says about what God's Word does for us. It says it, it teaches us, it corrects us, it, it points us to a righteous life. It says it completes us, it equips us to do good work. It's a pretty good list, isn't it? You say, hey, what, 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 should I, what should I teach my children? Well, I can't think of anything better than to say, well, I'm going to teach them something that's going to complete them. You know, something that's going to lead them to a righteous life. So that the Bible is a great guide to go by for life. Let me tell you something, y'all. And when I follow it, it's proven itself to be true. You know, when I'm, when I'm working on a sermon, I will, I will use commentators. I will look through some some books to see what people, some theologians have to say about the passage of scripture we're looking at. And one of the theologians that I will read about, uh, read from, is a guy named Matthew Henry. Uh, he's a commentator, wrote in the 1700s. But there's a story about him when he was, he was getting ready to get married, who's a future wife. And he was, she was a very wealthy lady uh, from a wealthy family. He was not. And so his wife was talking, his future wife was talking to her father. The dad was super concerned. And we don't know anything about this guy. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't come, you know, doesn't have that great of a standing in the past as far as finances go. And, and his daughter interrupted him, and she said, Dad, we, we don't know a whole lot about his past. She goes, but I know this. She goes, I know where he's going. And she said, and I want to be there with him when he goes there. Guys, whenever people look at us and they see where it is that we are going, when they see us traveling down the right path, people are going to want to follow. People are going to see us and they're going to see the path that we are traveling in life. There's going to be a lot of people who say, I want to follow down the same road that you're going because I see the blessings and the benefits that come in life when you were walking with God. Now, that, that sounds great, but I'm going, to be, I'm going to be real honest with you. There are times when guiding is tough, because when you guide, you know what that means? It means that when you see somebody, when you see a young person, when you see anybody step off of the path, if you guide, that means you're going to come over and say, you're off the path, you need to get back on the path. That, that is not always easy to do, but y'all, we've not been called to do easy things. Engaging culture, if Village Church is going to engage culture, it's not an easy thing for us. If we're going to take it serious, it's not an easy thing to do. But it's the right thing to do. See, Village Church has been called to dispense truth. Truth. Not popular opinion. 2 Timothy 4, 2-5. I love this. It says, proclaim the message, persist in it, whether convenient or not. Rebuke, correct, and encourage with great patience and teaching. For the time will come when they will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear something new. Think we're living in days like this? It says, and they will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to myths. But as for you, it says, be serious about everything. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Okay, here's the deal. At Village Church, you know what we're going to be about building? We're going to be about building people. 
And if we're going to build people, then we better make sure we are using the right building plans. And that's God's word. So if we're going to engage young people and we're going to educate them, what does that take? It means that we're going to have to teach them. It means we have to guide them. And then here's the last one. And this might be the toughest one. After we do those things, we have to let them go. You let them go. Verse number six, teach a young person about the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. Now, I have, I have a very vivid memory when my oldest son, when Hank, when I, we taught him how to ride a bike. And I remember we were living in Lexington at the time, and he was just a little boy, and so we went down to the park in our neighborhood. I took off his train and wheels, and he got on the bike. He was real excited, and so he, he's riding, you know, and he starts pedaling. Y'all remember doing this? You'd kind of keep balance on the bike, and you, you hang, I was hanging on to it. And I'm running alongside him. He's beginning to pedal, and I'm th- I, I was like, I think he's got it. And so I gave him a shove, and I let him go, and he, was, so he started riding the bike all by himself. That was kind of, it's, a, I still remember that moment. It was, it, was, it was fun for me to watch my son do something on his own. But how weird would it have been if I would have never let go? Is he just riding about 18 years old? Hey, you know, I'm, I'm insuring, for one, he's never going to get married. But, you know, the, what, the job of a parent is not to always hang on, is it? The, the job of a parent is to eventually you let go. You let go. Now, why do we let go? Yeah, it's real simple. We let go because there's going to come a time when we're not going to be there for our kids anymore. Then there's going to come a time whenever, whenever they're going to be on their own. And if they're going to function as, you know, regular, normal adults, then, then they, we need to let them go. If we're going to see them blossom into individuals and the people that God's made them to be, then we are going to let them go. Now, if I don't let them go, then they're never going to become what God's intended for them to be. You know, there was a, a, a while ago when I got really interested in bonsai trees. Now, the, the Japanese are the ones who came up with that concept, and I, I think they're cool. And it's probably because I watched Mr. Miyagi. You know, whenever he had the the bonsai trees, and but, but the bonsai trees they are they are mature miniature trees, and the way that happens is they get they get a sapling, and as it begins to grow, they will cut the tap root and then some of the feeder roots off, and that tree it, it stunts its growth. Now it can fully mature. I mean, you can have you, you can have a redwood, and you can turn it into a bonsai, and so the neat thing about it is that you've got a you've got a full grown tree, just a miniature size. You can keep it inside of your house. You can hold it. I mean, it's, it's really neat. And so you can go, hey, look at my little tree. And so it's kind of fun. But here's the deal. When you do that, that tree never becomes what it was intended to be. That little bonsai tree is not going to ever produce shade, at, at least not for a normal-sized person. Uh, that tree is never going to be the home for a bird to build a nest in. It's just simply going to be a full-grown miniature tree that's fun to look at and you know that is exactly what happens to young people when we don't let them go when we don't teach them when we don't build them up and we just simply hang on to them they are like little miniature bonsai trees now that's why each year at village church we spend and i'll be honest we spend thousands and thousands of dollars in this church on our campus ministries every year now, now, why is that? Because we want our young people to reach their potential. 
We want to reach the next generation with the message of Jesus. I shared with you all last week that 85, almost 85% of all people who become followers of Christ do so before the age of 18. So if we're going to reach young people, we better start doing it now. You all understand this. We are only one generation away from our faith becoming extinct. And if we're going to see our culture change, then it's going to happen as this church and as parents reach and teach young people. Now, at Village Church, I desire for us to produce redwoods, not bonsais. I want to see young people grow to their full potential. I want to be able to, to look out and to see how young people grew up in this church and see them, see them produce and have families that love God and, and they make an impact in their work and in their homes for Jesus. Now, Village Church, we have a calling to be a church that's going to educate young people. And how do we do it? We teach them. We guide them. And then we let them go. You know, we, we prepare them for life. And then we let them go. The education process, though, begins with us making sure we are using the right material. And that's why every week when we come here, that's why whenever our youth gather together, that's why when our children meet next door, the number one study tool they're using is Scripture. It is God's Word. So here's the deal. If that's our calling as a church, a part of our mission as a church is to engage culture through our campus ministries. You might say, well, what do I do? Now, some of you might be thinking, yeah, that ain't my area. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm not a kid person. Hey, I understand that. I was a youth pastor for one year. And they, they were like, yeah, you're not called to this. I was like, I absolutely agree. Okay, so you might say, well, I don't have to, I don't have to care anything about youth, so I'm not doing that. I'm not saying that everybody's called to, to work with young people, uh, with youth, or with ch in our children's ministry, but did you know that you can support it? You can still support it. How do I do that? Through, through the giving, through your financial giving, support of this church. That's how we fund the ministries in this church. And you say, what, what else can I do? And th there's a lot of areas. We're not asking everybody to be a teacher, but y'all, do you understand that when we engage culture, you understand we engage in schools? You know, we, we go to the schools. It could be that maybe God's calling you and, and saying, listen, I want you to come and I want you to, I want you to help serve whenever we do our post-game ministry after the football games at Westwood and Blythewood High Schools. I told you last week over 600 kids were at our post-game. We needed adults there. We needed adults to serve. Adults to stand at the door and welcome young people as they came into the doors. Could be that God's calling you to, to, to help volunteer. Maybe as we, we go on some of our camps this, this coming you know, next year in the summers, we, we need people to, to serve, to chaperone. We need people to pray. You can support the, the youth ministry and the children's ministry through your prayers. But some of you might say, you know what, I think God's calling me to be a part of campus ministries at Village Church. What do I do? Got, got great news for you. What do you do? When the service is over, you can walk outside. We have a campus ministries table set up. And you can look and see the various areas where you can be involved and where you can serve. Now, now what is Village Church about? Four C's. We call it C4. What are we about? We're about campuses. We're about community. We're about care. We're about civics. Now, we're covering the campus part. And so my challenge for you is join with us. Help us reach students. The students that are here and the students that are not here. But if culture's going to change, 
village church has to make it a priority to invest in and to teach young people. Thank you.